Here we are, now, with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. My name is Dosta, and today I'd like to talk about centering. It's one thing to have ideas about centering, or to have a theory or a psychology, or thoughts bumbling bumbling around in your head about centering, and it's another thing to have the experience. So, to make things tangible and real for you, the thing I want to put forward is this center of balance. Now, I mean literally your center of balance. This is the thing we want to take home from this conversation. But let me back up and do a little bit of psychology with you. Peter Ospensky has this book called The Psychology of Man's Possible Evolution. Peter Ospensky was a student of the the notorious and scandalous guru George Gurdjieff. And that's maybe a too far back of a story, but there are many funny tales we can tell about him. But in his book, The Psychology of Man's Possible Evolution, which was based on Gurdjieff's teachings, Olspensky puts forward this idea that man has multiple centers. In fact, he says there are seven centers in a man. Now, he mainly concerns himself with the first three because these are the most common. And these are action-centered, intellectual-centered, or emotional-centered. A man or woman who is driven by their thoughts is intellectual. A man or a woman who is driven or always having at the centre of them their actions, or the thing they do most is considered action, is action-centred, and of course, the emotional, as their emotions driving them. Now, we can say one thing triggers another, one thing leads to another, or one thing concerns a person the most. Would you say your thoughts your actions or your feelings concern you the most. And then we can also say the thing that is happening for you most often. So an intellectual person can do actions and have emotions, but those are only for a small amount of time. He's not centered there. And Ospensky says that we basically are fitting into one of these. And if you look at someone, you can tell straight away, if you know how to look at this, you know how to see this, basically, they are going to be doing, as soon as you look at them, chances are when you look at this person, they are going to be doing the thing that they are centered in most. If someone moves a lot, 
if they're moving their body or they've got a fast pace walking and they're action-centered, if you can see how someone is centered in their mind, in their thoughts, in their intellect, then they're intellectually centered. Now, when it comes to emotion, our culture, our Western modern culture, is very much against people who are emotionally centered. There's a taboo against emotions. For both men and women, it goes for everyone. To be feeling, to be expressing yourself, to be having intense feelings, to be having feelings around people, to being, for being honest about your feelings, there's a taboo. There's this harden up and get along with it culture. There's this get to work culture. There's this get on with the job, make something happen, exercise out your feelings, exercise away your depression your sadness, your loneliness. And if you want positive feelings, then the so-called formula for that is to work hard. It's to think positive. It's to do the physical work to get fit and then you will feel happy. But here in this book... It would appear that Obspensky is putting these three centers on equal levels. Now, it's been my privilege to meet a certain person who was very gifted with her emotions. And I won't say who she was. We'll keep her nameless. But I met her at a place and a time when she was able to fully delve into her emotional center. And quite thankfully, I had the maturity at the time to recognize this. I was able to say that I could accept the emotions, allow the emotions. And one minute she'd be laughing and dancing and jumping all around, The next moment she'd be crying. And I kid you not, there were days when she could cry for three hours non-stop. Sometimes multiple times. Now, in our Western culture, in our modern society, there's this thing about the emotional girl. Stop being such a girl. Grow up and be a woman. Be a mature woman. And this is a kind of, well, whatever the racism, racism isn't the right word because it's not race, it's, it's taboo or I, I don't know the right word for it. I don't know how to say what it is that I'm trying to say. It's a shunning of the emotions and the suppressing of emotions in another person. Now, often when we're talking about psychology and we bring up emotional suppression or emotional repression, restricting of the emotions, we're talking about a psychology 
of an individual who is doing it to themselves. Now, it might be that you have a natural tendency to one of these centers, the intellect or action or emotion, particularly emotion, and you're not being able to go towards that center. You're not being able to live there. Now, if your natural center is in the emotional center and you're in a culture which pushes against that, you're going to have a very difficult time. You're going to very have a very you're going to have a lot of struggles. And if things are coming up for you again and again, why am I struggling so hard? Why do I have to keep on a brave face? Why am I always pretending that everything's okay when it's not? Why does this whole thing of think positive, think positive, how come that doesn't work? I'd like to suggest that you're like my friend who I've been talking about, that your emotional center is where you want to be at. And unlike her and unlike me, you haven't found a place where it's appropriate for you to explore that. Now, the fourth kind of center is the one which can navigate all three. To be able to move into multiple centers creates a new center. Now, to find the center of anything, it's the same as finding the center of a circle. To find your emotional center, to find your intellectual center, to find your action center, you go to the farthest edges and work your way in. For intellect, this means you find what's the most challenging, most complex, most far-out thoughts you can have and contrast that with your most bland, boring, quiet, simple thoughts. You can read two books. One has the cognitive ability of a children's book and one might be Another might be Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time. <laughs> I couldn't get all the way through that. It got too technical for me. Stephen Hawking's actually has a, a, a layman's version of one of his books, but you, I think you get what I'm trying to say. When it comes to action, you can do the same thing. What is the absolute extreme physical exertion that you can do with your body? What is full hard work, full body action? And then what is entropy? What is complete stillness? Well, not necessarily entropy. It can be relaxation. So if we put work on one end and and relaxation on the other, then you've got your two extremes. And right between that is your action center. And I think you can see where I'm going with this. When it comes to emotion, you find your extreme emotions and then your extreme boredom or your non-extreme. And right in the middle of that is your emotional center. So in order to navigate into these centers, you need both polar opposites in each 
which means you need six things in order to build your fourth center. And there are, well, my advice would be to say pick the weakest one. One of these centers is your strong suit. One of these things you already have. Basically, you are already in one of these first three centers. So to move into something that is, if if you're an emotional girl, now don't get me wrong here, this is not a, this is the difference between an encouragement in something new and the shunning of something. If you are an emotional girl or, or, or man, boy or girl, man or woman, ladies or gents, masculine, feminine, however you want to say it, that is a beautiful thing. To be emotionally centered is a rare, powerful gift. That is something you don't want to lose. It's less common than the other two. It's more common to be centered in the mind, to be intellectual. But if you are emotionally centered, you need to be thinking about things and thinking about how you move into thinking. (laughs) Thinking about thinking, that'll get you onto thinking sooner than you can think about it. (laughs) and as for action well that's one that's physical body centered that's a physical body thing that's a physical body realm so if you're very intellectual you need to move your body you need to you need to force yourself into these extremes Now, at the start of this conversation, I was talking about the center of balance. Now, the center of balance is the key to all of them. If you want an easy, quick fix, you find your center of balance. Now, how do you find your center of balance? Literally. Well, you have off-balanced. You are either off-balanced, out-of-balance you're falling, that's one end, or you're stable, you're grounded, you're balanced. You can't be knocked over on the other. So this polar opposites of balanced and unbalanced is stable or unstable. Grounded or not grounded. And if you're doing state training or you're trying to have peak experiences, or you're doing your meditation meditation practice and you're trying to have these breakthroughs, this is something to look out for. This is foundational. Balanced and non-balanced. Stable and unstable. Which means when you're in your intellect, you're either confused or you understand it. That's exactly what stable and unstable is. Unstable intellect is you're really struggling to understand. You're really confused. You don't know how. There's lots of words you don't understand. There's things you haven't heard before. You're trying to connect the dots. You want to ask a question, but you don't want to sound stupid. It's really unstable. It's a strain on the mind. And then you have stable intellect. It's a piece of cake. 
Stop talking down to me. This is so easy. This is child's play. I'm not in kindergarten. I understand this. That's stable and unstable. And then you have your action, stable and unstable. When you're unstable with your actions, you're straining yourself. You're tired. You're exhausted. You might injure yourself because you're pushing yourself too hard. You might pull a muscle. You might hurt yourself in any, any which way. You're struggling. You're pushing it. It's unstable. And when you're stable with your action center, you've done it a million times. It's so easy for you. It's a piece of cake. It's a walk in the park. You could do it all day long with your physical body. And of course, when we apply this stable and unstable, it is a little bit tricky with the emotions. Usually with emotions, it seems like when someone's very emotional and they're expressing a a lot of emotions and they seem quite intense and erratic, we would call that unstable. And then we would say someone is stable when they're not emotional. Now, that's a misunderstanding. This is a difference we need to clarify. And this can really open up things for your inner world. Because emotion can be stable or unstable. A stable person is not necessarily not emotional. This means that it's possible for someone to be extremely sad, extremely happy. Any sort of extreme emotion and yet be perfectly grounded with it, to be perfectly stable with it. Now, how does someone get like that? Well, they practice. Someone who can have powerful emotions and yet stay centered, stay grounded, is someone who has built up that skill with themselves. And they do that by pushing the extremes, by doing work that induces emotions, by recognizing that they might be intellectually centered or action-centered and then saying, hey, I need to work on my emotions. I need to open up to my emotions. So this idea of centering and being balanced, the other thing that comes back to a literal balancing, balancing with your body, with your physical body, is that you can find your center of balance, as in literally your center of balance. Because we can say, think of balance this way, like the metaphorical balance. Do you have a balanced mind, a balanced action center, or a balanced emotions? We can say when you have a balance, there's, there's a, think of a seesaw. You've got the thing in the middle and then the piece of wood and two weights on either end. 
Now, how much weight is on either end and how far apart those ends are is still a scale of variation. There's a whole pantheon of differences there. You can be balanced and have very light weights that are very close together. Or you can be balanced and have very heavy weights that are very far apart and every variation there on out. So balancing your mind, your actions and your emotions are about pushing those extremes. And the trick, one trick, is to literally build your balance in your body. Because you will notice that when you are unbalanced in either of these three centers, your physical body will be unbalanced. You will be, you'll be literally unbalanced. When you're, let's say there's, there's metaphorical unbalance, like a mind, action, or emotion imbalance. And then you've got your literal imbalance, which is where is your weight on your seat? Try and get in touch with it right now. Just take a moment if you're standing or sitting. Doesn't matter too much. It's possible to notice where there is strain in your body by something that is pulling more on the other. Now, have you got more weight on one leg or the other? Is your head perfectly straight or is it tilted? And can you, without looking in the mirror, feel the pull on your neck by how your head is tilted? Are your shoulders straight? Is your back straight? If you're sitting, notice your your two butt cheeks. Does one have more weight than the other? Now, I'm sitting on a chair at the moment, and I have my legs crossed, and I just, I've just changed my legs so they're in a different position. And I can feel that it's, it feels different to be on this leg rather than the other. So symmetry, symmetry is key here. Symmetry and balance have a, have a very close relationship. So to navigate into the intellect, the action, or the emotional centers, you want to be equipped with this one pinpoint, which is your point of reference, which is how balanced are you with your physical body? How is your literal balance? And what you need to do in order to have that with you is to practice. The trick is to practice having an awareness of your balance. I'm going to offer up one little quick exercise here, which is to stand on two feet with your eyes closed and your feet shoulder-width apart and perfectly parallel 
So you make your feet straight. Usually our feet are pointed either inwards or outwards a little bit. Most people it's outwards. But in this you make them parallel. And you do some slow swaying from side to side. And you can do this when you're waiting in line for something. You can do this when you're waiting for the bus, waiting for the train, waiting for the helicopter, waiting for the private limousine, waiting for the private jet. I know you do that quite often. But while you're waiting, just shift from side to side. And this needs to be a focus for at least a few days for you to get in touch with your sense of balance. And if you do this exercise enough times throughout the day and it becomes a habit, and you do the initial push to make it a habit, then you'll be able to find well what will happen is once the habit snowballs is you'll you'll be able to check your sense of balance when you're the, the first thing is to get it into a, get, get into the habit and you'll be checking your balance in certain situations it won't be just when you're waiting in line it will be when something's happening and then you can start to notice when something is happening and you're not in balance and you can check is it my emotional center is it my intellectual center? Or is it my action center? And the larger advice or the thing that I do personally, which has opened up this for me, and the reason I'm talking about this is that I do Tai Chi. So Tai Chi is an ancient art which is designed for centering and grounding. And if you can take up a Tai Chi practice, then that will work wonders for your emotions and your intellect and your actions. It can completely revolutionize these things for you. And it can vastly transform your phenomenological experience, your way of navigating through life. And Tai Chi, balancing, but this, this little exercise of standing on your feet and then getting a sense of where is my balance, where is my weight, that is the bullet that goes through all of this. It's the thing that underlines this. For me to say that you want to navigate three centers and have two extremes on them, well, that's already six things. If you want to be working on six things, it's too much. And then also your normal sense of balance. And then you've got a fourth center which is opening up. You've got seven things right there that you need to be working on. So to dedicate time to each of these individually is too much. Unless you're dedicating your whole life full-time to transformative practice. There will be a time for that. But for now, you just want to be adding something to your routine. Or it might be that you add Tai Chi to your routine instead of yoga. It might be that yoga is not giving you what you want. 
or you've got enough out of yoga and you want to try something different. Now, traditionally, there's always been a bit of beef between the yoga and the Tai Chi people. (laughs) But there's no beef here. I'm all for yoga. And if you're doing a dedicated yoga practice and it's working for you, who am I to say otherwise? But if you want things to really open up, learn Tai Chi. Learn Qigong. Learn Yang style. Find a good teacher. Find a class. Tai Chi is well spread enough that there's a class, a local class somewhere, that you can at least try it out. Good teachers are always hard to find in any field. And you could probably learn enough online by yourself anyway. But what, ha- what starts to happen is if you build this center and you have a Tai Chi practice and you get some grounding, then you start to achieve the things that we're talking about. You have extreme emotions and yet you feel stable with them. It's possible to have ecstatic, explosive emotions and yet to be perfectly okay with them. And that's really one of the things, the goals or the achievements of being centered. It's an aliveness. It's a freshness with your feelings. And that's usually... Very different to what we do, which is to say, I don't want my emotions because I can't deal with them. I can't deal with these heavy feelings. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be embarrassed or humiliated. So we cut off the whole social, the whole, sorry, not social sphere. Well, the social sphere is connected to our emotions. So maybe there is something to be said about the difference between the social sphere and how it's connected to the emotional sphere. But in, this, in essence, we're, we're cutting off the whole emotional spectrum because we can't deal with them. That also cuts off all the good ones. It cuts off all our good feelings. But actually, that, bring, that brings me to a good point, which is that the social sphere can be navigated with this same centering exercise. So this stable and unstable principle also applies to the the social sphere. It's a bit of a tongue twister to say social sphere. Lots of S's in that one, isn't there? Stable and unstable social sphere. So that means when you're in a social situation and you're perfectly comfortable, you're perfectly fine, you're okay, You know these people, they know you, you're stable. When you're in a completely unknown, awkward, uncomfortable, weird, I don't know what to say, get me out of here, social situation, then you're unstable. So how do you remain centered? How do you find your center? Well, put yourself into the extremes. Now, if you want to be really extreme, you can actually challenge yourself and say, what's the most uncomfortable social situation I can imagine? And I'm going to go to that. And that's going to be my new benchmark 
for the non-centered. This is my this is my unstable social sphere. This is my unstable social center. And you can say the most awkward, most weird, most outrandishly what's happening? And then go back to your stable. Who do you feel most comfortable with? Now, usually, I don't know about you, but the social sphere of stable and unstable is sometimes contrasted as the whole social sphere is unstable. And then when I'm alone by myself and there's no one around, then I'm stable. Now, that's not what I'm talking about here because we have to keep the scale on the same plane. Stable and unstable within the social sphere, which means there must be people around. And you might say, well, I don't have anywhere, anyone, any situation where I'm with people and I feel stable, I feel comfortable. And well, that's something to work on. Maybe you shouldn't be going to the extreme of the unstable yet. Maybe your extreme is you need to just find someone to be comfortable with. And then we come back to our literal center of balance. So standing on two feet, swaying from side to side, and feeling that I'm feeling balanced, you'll notice, notice if you can, if you have a meditative practice or you've been doing this exercise and you've got a habit of it, Notice what happens to the weight of your feet when you're in a social situation and you feel unstable. You might curl your toes. You might shift onto one leg. Your body will contort in different ways and you'll feel unbalanced. Now, when you can use this pinpoint, this literal center of balance, to venture into the social sphere then you can start to build a stability. You start to build a center. You start to get in touch with the center. So the theory of centering still applies to the social sphere. So there's also this fourth center, which is often called the witness in meditation circles. And this funny thing happens when you really navigate these first three centers of intellect, action, and emotion, and you're doing a meditative practice and you build up this fourth center vis-a-vis, we're calling it for now, the witness. It has many names, but we'll call it for this conversation, the witness. This curious thing happens where you step back deep into the witness and while walking, do this while walking and then it feels like the ground is actually moving beneath your feet and you are staying still. If you have a deep meditative practice or you've been getting into meditation, try this. It'll tell you where you're at. It'll it'll indicate how far you off you are off breaking into the witness and having this fourth center walk and then drop into your witness 
which means just observe and then notice how it feels. It's almost like an outer body experience, like you're, you're watching yourself from just behind your head. Now, in order to have this, it's a certain stage in your meditative practice. If you try this and it doesn't make, if this is making no sense at all to you, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, then don't, don't get up tight like, oh, it doesn't exist. It just means you need to meditate more. And you specifically need to do witness meditating. So these would be things like self-inquiry or a let-go meditation or a, a, a silence meditation. And also navigating these centers and building a center of balance, a sense of balance, will help with this. And the time will come when you reach that point where you feel the center is, you are the center. And then more deeper beyond that, beyond a trick with just walking and feeling like the whole world's moving around you, you can also expand your, this, this, this principle of the, the extremes of stable and unstable or finding the outer edges, that can apply to the universe. It can apply to where you are in your location. So you can have a location center. And your center will change depending on the extremities of your locations. Now, it might be, like most people, you live in a city and you have these few places that you go to every now and then over and over again. You have your routine. You have your life pattern. Now, if you want to get a sense of a location center, you have to break that up. You have to do some travel. You have to find the extremes to find the center. And then also there's not just the physical traveling, but you need to be you need to be present with where you are and with the changes in your location. You need to have the changes in location make an impression on you. So it's probably better spent, your, your time is better spent doing meditation. It's funny how it always comes back to that, isn't it? Meditate, do these exercises. Well, today's, today's exercise is the standing one. And today's advice is the is learn Tai Chi. But that's not to say there's nothing that is better than a, a good old-fashioned meditation practice. So, center. There's this idea of the center and balance. It can apply to a lot of different things. It can apply to a relationship it can apply to a narrative. It can apply to things within the emotional sphere or the mental sphere. It can apply to energy. It can apply to respiration. And that's not to say there isn't a whole bunch of philosophical centers that we can find. If you find a psychological center or you find a, 
a center of a wave of psychological development. And that simply just means balancing two extremes or multiple extremes in multiple directions. And the art of balance is, well, I guess, live a balanced life. It's, it's sort of funny that advice comes up, balance is the key. You hear, you hear this in these get self-improvement, get, get better at your life, like self-improvement spheres. These people will say the life is all about balance. If you can balance your body, like the Buddhists have even this thing of the middle way. It's one of the four noble truths. Well, is it the, no- the noble truths or the eightfold paths? I think the eightfold path, my Buddhism is a bit scratchy at the moment. If you can correct me on this. There's a Buddhist principle. I'll just say it's a Buddhist principle, which is the middle way. Maybe I'm taking it too far out of context for it to really mean anything. Maybe the, maybe the Buddha is rolling in his grave saying, how can you do this to my teachings? <laughs> but this thing of live a balanced life, well, actually, the, the trick to living a balanced life is to living an unbalanced life. It's to living an extreme life. How do you have balanced emotions? have extreme emotions and then non-extreme emotions? How do you have a balanced mind? Well, you know where the edges are, where your mind is challenged, and where your mind is unstable, and then when your mind isn't unstable, or when your mind is stable, rather. And then the same thing goes for action. Action, usually someone's routine or their lifestyle when they're action-centered is they work really, really hard until they burn out and they need time off and they say, I need time off, I need to rest. And then they stop everything and they have a short rest and right before they get better, right before they're intellect or their emotions kick in, they start up again and they're really, really busy. Now, if you're someone who's in that category, my advice to you is to just just try taking your foot off the accelerator, take your foot off the gas just a little bit. Just ease up a little bit and you'll find how hard it is for you to do that. For a 110% action-centered person to operate at 95%, it is impossible. And in fact, what that person's going to have to do is stop everything and then allow their emotions and their intellect to come up and to force themselves to go into the extreme of non-action to get out of that center, and then they can come back to the extreme, cent- the extreme of action. And then they'll, when, they, when they come back, they'll have a newfound fe- uh, experience of what it means to navigate action. Now, if you're someone who never operates at 
then you need to get up and do some work. Now, this whole thing of you need to take action, progress, yes, work hard. There's nothing wrong with that so long as it's conscious. And here we're consciously doing it to open up different parts of our inner world, of our experience of life. So if you're someone who's lazy, you're someone who doesn't do lots of things, you need to be doing the extreme of hard, busy, fast-paced work to know the extreme of the action center. So I hope some of that resonates with you. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to do what I have been doing recently, which is to finish with a short guided meditation. And because we were talking about the standing one, I will also mention quickly that I'm putting together some guided meditations, which will be available on my website, which will be coming shortly, if not at the time you're hearing this. And that will be guided meditations for centering and grounding or at least a component of the guided meditations will have grounding and centering in them because it's so pinnacle, it's so important. So keep an eye out for that. And for today, let's just finish with a few minutes. And if it's comfortable for you to do so, stop what you're doing. If you're driving, don't stop what you're doing. Just remember the exercise for later on. Stop what you're doing, close your eyes, And this time, stand up with your feet parallel, shoulder width apart, and just notice the weight on your feet. Does one of your feet have more weight than the other? Just do a slight shift over to your left foot. Slowly move your center of balance to the left. And just hold there for a minute. And now shift it slightly over to the right. So you've got your weight more on your right. At whatever pace is comfortable for you. And then just hold there for a minute. And now come back to the middle. And feel how you can balance your weight evenly on both feet. Now, you can sway side to side a little bit and experiment with that. Move slowly. Keep your attention in the soles of your feet. And we'll have a few minutes of silence while you stand. And that's all I have to say for now.